there and thank you so much for your faithfulness and giving to the Lord. We are very, very blessed through you and uh, thank God uh, for his grace and mercy, especially in these very, very difficult days in which we live um, due to COVID and the impact that it's had on, on so many businesses around not just our country, but around the world. And so uh, we are just grateful for God's provision, the way that he cares and does it in so many different ways. This morning, um, we're not going to be uh, studying in First Peter chapter 5. I wanted to just take today and speak to you a little bit about Christmas and, and about really what Christmas means. Because uh, if you're like me, especially this year, with everything going on, it's so easy to become distracted. Um, we can totally lose sight of what Christmas is really all about. We live in a very commercialized world today with the invention of the internet. Um, if you go back and you study why Google exists and really why Facebook exists, it wasn't so that it would help us, you know, truly connect and be able to find information. It's a great way to advertise. It's a great way to keep advertisement right in front of our very face. Most of you, if you use social media at all and you use the internet and you use Google, and other search engines, you'll find that the very things that you're looking for become, I mean, it's almost like a miracle in and of itself, right? Whatever you type in starts showing up and ads on, right on your, your page, and there's nothing you can do to stop it in, in the general sense. And, you know, you can block ads and you can, but you can in one way because you can buy your way out, right? If you want things for free, then you have to accept the advertisement that comes with it. And uh, know the, the, one of the interesting things about that is that's a statistical game for advertisers because they, they know if you see it enough, eventually you're probably going to do what? You're going to buy it. And uh, they're banking on that, by the way. And so when I think about Christmas and all the things, like I said, it's so easy to get moved away from you know, what the true meaning of Christmas is. It, it really is about gift giving, but it's not so much about us giving gifts to one another. It's really about the gift that God has for each and every one of us. Um, I look at this and I, the text that really this week and studying and, and the, studying the Christmas story, I was going over it, you know, just again and again and again, just in personal devotion, not so much wasn't really thinking about uh, teaching this uh, this morning. Um, I was going to stay in, in, the, in Matthew's gospel, but a text that really jumped out and I wanted to share with you today um, is from Galatians chapter 5, or excuse me, Galatians chapter 4. We were in 1 Peter 5. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. So if you have a, a Bible uh, this morning, I want to invite you to turn there with me. And I, I titled today's message, What a Difference a Day Makes. And I, I was, I was kind of going between what a difference a day makes, and um, there's an old expression that, have you ever heard this? Timing is everything. You know, so we learned this this morning, right? So I'm in the back trying to figure out, you know, how to get my iPad charging and, and the song ends. You know, Joe says, hey, Mike, this song's coming to an end. I'm like, hey, that's okay. Larry can cover for me. You saw how, you saw how well he covered for me, right? Hey, there's Mike. Hey, he's late. Okay. You know, and, and then just stops. I mean, I would have been okay if you just kept going. But it's just that they call that like in, in television and radio, it's called what? Dead air, right? Have you ever have you ever spoken public and you and you forgot what you were going to say or you paused and just for a moment and in that moment you just thought like a whole day passed and you start to sweat right because you're going oh my gosh I... 
you know, and it seems like it's forever, but it's not, you know, but timing really is everything. And God's timing, whether we like it or not, we come to appreciate it. And I hope this Christmas that you really do when you think about timing being everything because of everything that's just been so out of whack this year because of COVID that God's timing is still perfect. Amen. There, there he is in complete control. And though it can seem like utter chaos to us, you know, everything God does, he does at the exact perfect moment in time. And that's kind of what I wanted to speak with you about today. And, you know, as I look at this and, and, you know, it says, you know, Black Friday, I, I was looking at things this morning when I was thinking about timing being everything, because I don't know if you're aware of this, but most retail businesses, they make 30% of their revenue from Thanksgiving Day, you know, it used to be the next day, but really it's Thanksgiving, they bump Black Friday up to kind of black, it's kind of like Gray Thursday, I guess that's kind of what you could call it now. Um, but Black Friday, because Black Friday represented what? If you're no, you know, you go from what in your business? Red, which means in debt, to black, which means you become profitable. So Black Friday is when businesses move from being in the red to being profitable. And there's a lot of money. If you haven't seen this, I, I, am, I can't wait to see what 2020 is like because everybody, for the most part, well, I can't say that. That's not true. I was going to say everybody was at home, but I was, I, I shared this last week and I was there again this week. I was at Target and I came outside and I literally had to park at the Wendy's almost to Rosedale Highway. And I was thinking, I was going, aren't we in a shutdown? I, I was there not to get Christmas gifts. I can tell you that I was going to get a prescription. Okay. So I guess that makes it okay. Cause I, it's something for my health, you know, and, and I don't like waiting in line. I would much prefer to shop online. I, I just, I just don't like waiting in line. It's just, I don't like waiting in traffic. I don't like waiting, period. You know, so I, I feel for Larry that the 10 seconds he had to wait for me to get up here. I, I get that. I, I do I do understand that. But um, think of this, Black Friday. These are some interesting facts about Black Friday 2019. So it saw 93.2 million buyers shopping online on Black Friday last year. Shopping sales, get this, hit 7.4 billion, which is an all-time high. And like I said, 30% of those sales, you know, occur um, over the Christmas holiday season. The average savings on Black Friday, how many purchased a lot on Black Friday this year? Anybody in here? By a show of hands? Missed out. 37%. They saved 37% by shopping on Black Friday. About 40% of the shoppers made online purchases on Black Friday in 2019. 2.9 billion worth of Black Friday sales happened through mobile phones. You know, and I, this was another one I read on another site that more people, the, the more expensive the item, if you purchased it, you purchased it on a desktop computer. It, it kind of seemed funny to me, you know, that you, you see, you're okay buying little stuff on your phone. But if you got to buy something big, you want to be sitting at your desktop, right? <laughs> it's just, I, I don't know, I just thought that was funny. Um, uh, and then it, it said millennials were the biggest spenders on Black Friday in 2019. About 50.4% of women are Black Friday shoppers. Amazon accounted for, I would say almost 100% this year. No, it said Amazon accounted for 549 of all sales. Think about that. Wow. That's a lot of money. 
on, on Black Friday. And the average adult plans to spend on Black Friday about $400. So, and you think about that, you go, can one day, can one day really make a difference, you know? And, and you think, well, I think we're kind of proving it with regard to what Black Friday is. One day can make a difference. And you think one day, just one day in the history of humanity, God made all the difference in the world. You know, and, and people can question that. You know, they can say, well, my business didn't really go up that much during Christmas. You go, but some do. I mean, take a Christmas tree salesperson. I mean, their sales, their sales don't go up 30% between Thanksgiving and Christmas. They go up what? 100%, right? And then they go to zero, you know, the day after, or maybe a few days before. But again, Christmas Day, and I want you to think about this, this year, especially, in light of everything that we've gone through, you know, is by far and away the most important day in human history. It's where you and I, because of Jesus' birth into this world, it's where we go from red, being in debt. You know, I love that expression that says, you know, we owe a debt that we cannot pay. And God paid a debt that he did not owe, amen? And really, and that's really what Christmas is all about. So let's, let's read this together in Galatians chapter four. Uh, we'll pick it up there in verse four, and then we'll, we'll take a moment here and we'll pray. This thing's coming off my ear. Just having a terrible day. <laughs> Galatians 4.4 4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Wow. Think about that. Father, help us today as we read your word that, God, we would understand how important this day is. May we, may we never, ever lose sight of just how important Christmas is to us and what was accomplished, Lord Jesus, by you being born into this world. We, we sang it already this morning that you are our Emmanuel. And, God, that can become just a song that we sing, but, Lord, may it be a real a revelation and a realization for each and every one of us today that God is here in this place, that God is with us. And if God be for us, who can stand against us? Massage that deep into our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the Apostle Paul, you know, here in Galatians 4, you know, he's wanting his, his readers to know that Jesus was born at the perfect moment in time. You know, this is, you know, we think about in the perfect time in God's redemptive plan. God has all kinds of things that he's doing with regard to time, but this is with regard to his redemptive plan. That's what the apostle Paul wants us to understand. And, and there's a reason for it. And, and it's, and I really think about it in light of today as well, because the world is ripe, the Bible says, and it's ready for harvest. And so we're to pray and beseech the Lord of the harvest that he would send in laborers right into his field. There, there's just times when, you know, crops are being planted. There's times when crops are being nurtured. And then there's times when crops are, are ready to be harvested. Well, we live in a, what we call this dispensation of God's grace. We live in a time of harvest. And, and I can't think of a better year than in the midst of COVID-19 when people are very much like, and that's why I wanted to share this with you today, just exactly what it was like during the time when Paul wrote this letter to the church in Galatia, how the world was prepped. But I want you to think about a, a few things here. 
when you think about that Jesus was born into this world at just the right time, a few reasons. The first is that the world shared at that point, and this was only the, the second time in, in human history. The first, the first time would have been at the Tower of Babel because it says that they spoke one language, right? And so then God went down and he did what? He confounded their language, right? So different languages were introduced at that, at that point. You know, today, if you look it up, we probably have somewhere in the neighborhood, you know, I looked, it was 7,117, might be more than that actually today, different dialects or different languages in the world. Does that make it complex to share the gospel? Yeah. We know today that there are, there are still some dialects. They say by the year 2030, we will have reached every people group on this planet with the Bible. It will be translated into every known language. And so you think, well, is that how long the Lord's going to wait until you know he comes? I don't know. But I just know this. The perfect moment in time for Jesus to be born into this world was a time when the Greek language was the universal language. It was the language of all the people. It was the common language of the day. And it's not just a, wasn't a common language. The Greek language is a very, very precise language. It means what it means. We can say things in English, right? I can go, hey, I love you guys. And you say what? I love you too, Pastor Mike. You didn't say it. Oh, you know, I knew you were thinking it. But you go, I, I love you. And I love what? Pizza. You know, and I love, you know, and you could list a whole bunch of things. But in our minds, we go, you, and we'll think this at times. We'll go, well, I sure hope Pastor Mike loves me more than pizza. But we don't have any words in the English language that really differentiate. It's just love, right? Whatever you love, that, that's what you do. But not in the Greek language. It's so, so precise. And again, the second thing, something that was so unique in and we want it today, but we don't have it. But you can see why it sets the tone for the Antichrist you know, to come into this world. Because if you were to talk to people today, maybe worldwide, what they want more than anything is what? Is peace, right? We sing that you know, during Christmas time, you know, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And what we wouldn't give to have peace. We know as, even as a country, we're a divided people today. But not during the time when Jesus was born into this world. Under Caesar Augustus, there was this decree that went forth from the Roman Empire. It was called the Pax Romana. Some of you have studied it. Pax Romana just means what? Peace by decree or peace by force. So basically, Caesar just said, listen, you guys are getting along, get along or we're going to kill you. It's a good motivator. You know, you think about it. And so the world was pretty peaceful at that time. There weren't factions. See, we, we find there's so many factions today, right? We don't even know what they are. They seem to grow every single day. There's a new group being formed, and, and it's just so confusing. But it wasn't in that day. So you think about God's perfect timing when God does what he does. It's always perfect timing. You know, the third thing you know, that we see, the world was connected like never before. Rome, one of the most amazing things, if you get to go to Israel on a trip, there's, a, there's one city. It's a Roman city. It's called Bet Chien. And uh, we, we've gone there a few times. My wife and I had the privilege of going there. We're walking down this street in Bet Chien. And uh, again, in the times of Christ before, I mean, a thousand years before, you think of uh, these roads that are built. And they were concaved. And they had gutters. They literally had gutters. They were, they were made out of stone. The, the streets were. They had paved roads, okay? 
I mean, you think about it. 50% of the roads were paved. They had 250,000 miles of roads connecting the known world together. And these, these streets, like I said, literally had rain gutters in them. And the water would go off the side and it would go into these channels underneath the ground. It's just, it was so fascinating to me. And these were all, you know, brought about by the Roman Empire. And so what did that do? Because of the roads, it allowed people to do what? To travel. It allowed the good news of the gospel to make it from city to city to city. See, we, we appreciate the fact that the Apostle Paul wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament, right? But you don't really think about how relatively easy it was it was to get from place to place to place. And the gospel would go forth. And so you go, was that important? You go, absolutely. And you think about in the totality of God's message to the world. And then the fourth thing, and probably the most important thing, and this is the thing that reminds me of today, especially, is like Jesus said, you know, the field is ripe. I don't know if you've discovered this or not, but you know, people are more open to the gospel today than at any other time ever in my life that, I, that I've ever witnessed. And you go, why? And you go, because people are afraid. Because people are unsure. People are looking for, I mean, how many messages have you heard about faith and hope and love over the course of this last year? And you go, why? And you go, because that's what we needed to hear. And, and God speaks to that. He speaks to our greatest needs all the time. And that's why he sent his son to speak to our, our greatest need. But the, the world was hungry spiritually. You think about the gap between Malachi, 400 years from the Old Testament to the New, and the nation of Israel, praying and believing and holding on to the fact that God had promised that a Messiah was coming, a Savior was coming. And so the law was continuing to be taught. Well, here's where I make the connection for our culture today. Under Rome, again, where you have Pax Romana, you have tremendous oppression you have government oppression over the people. Now, what they did in Rome, and this was the, a theory that we're seeing being practiced today, and it worked. It worked then, and it works today. Two things. You know, the Roman government understood about the people, how to control them. They said, keep them fed and keep them entertained. And as long as you keep them fed and you keep them entertained, you can lead them pretty much wherever you want them to go. But see, what, what does it ultimately end up with? Well, food doesn't satisfy the longing of your soul, does it? And so what was taking place in the Roman Empire is in their, you know, polytheistic, you know, mindset, all of a sudden this concept of a monotheistic God, one God, you didn't have to go all these places, you know, it's kind of like, you know, people really, why they like Costco and they like Walmart, you know, they like superstores, you go, why? Because they, people say it and they'll even advertise it. They'll say one stop, what? Shop, one stop shop. Well, they kind of looked at God that way. It's like, oh, you mean we can just go and pray to one God? Well, that became appealing to them. And so again, their hearts were ready. They were ripe, you might say, as Paul would write. You know, they were ready for this moment in time. The timing was perfect. One language, one government ruling, you could say. You know, roads that led to everywhere and a people whose hearts were ripe. And like I said, I, I, I thought about that this whole week. I'm going... I feel like that's where we're at today. We have all these tools. We have all these roads. We have all these means. And we have a people who are ripe and they're ready to hear the good news of the gospel. They're ready to hear the message of Christmas. So you don't see the argument this year. In years, few years past, we've had what? You couldn't say Merry Christmas, right? If you went to the store and they were really deliberate. It was 
happy holiday. You know, you go, wow, that was really, oh, thanks. <laughs> it was, didn't seem too joyful, you know, in that. But people are back to what? I mean, and you know, COVID did it. It was like, they weren't going to argue this. People were, they were afraid and they were fearful. And people, Christians would be going to stores and they would be standing with people and they'd go, hey, you know what? Uh, uh, can I pray for you? Just saying that, can I pray for you? Yeah, okay, I'll be praying for you. Not that they even stopped right there in the line, but they'd go, yeah, I'll pray for you. Just know, you know, I'm praying for you. You know, thank you for your service. I pray God protects you. I pray that he meets all of your needs, that he does exceedingly above all that you might think or ask. Planting seed in people's heart and people responding to it. Just like the days that Paul speaks of when Jesus was born into this world. Is it safe to say that Jesus is really the gift that keeps on giving? Yeah. Isaiah. I think about, you know, some verses at Christmas time. You know, most of us, you know, are familiar with this, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, where the prophet, this is 700 years. Do you think about timing being everything? This is 700 years before Jesus is born. He says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name what? Emmanuel. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't want us to miss the greatest gift. So he starts advertising it when? 700 years before. I mean, it's one thing. Have you ever missed out on a sale? You ever missed out on something because you didn't get the note or you didn't get the advertisement? I, I was driving to Fresno a few weeks. Well, actually, probably time flies, probably a month and a half ago. And I was going up the 99 freeway and they had these signs and it said like uh, beef jerky and this and, you know, candy and soda and, you know, food and beverages, you know, uh, souvenirs, antiques, had all this stuff, like anything you could think of that you might like were, were on these signs. So, you know, after about five or six miles of these things, I, you know, I'm like, I'm going to, I got time. I'm going to pull off. So I pull off and pull over there where it's at. It says closed, <laughs> closed COVID. I'm like, wow. Isn't that like the world just makes you salivate. It gets your hopes up and put signs out there and then it doesn't deliver. Now, not God. He starts 700 years out. Matter of fact, it goes beyond that. If you really want to get technical, theological, it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter three, right? Uh, we'll share that with you in a moment. But, you know, God's not afraid. You go, why? Because God is faithful to his promise. What he said he would do. That's what Jesus said. You know, he, was, he, he tells Thomas, you know, he says, I don't know if I believe. And he says, Thomas, you know, um, if you can't believe the things that I do, believe the words that I speak, because what I say I do and what I do is I said I do. So, Again, he, Jesus, we know he, what? He talked the talk and he walked the walk. But God doesn't want us to miss the greatest gift. You know, there's three gifts. When you study this text in Isaiah chapter seven, I think that really jump off the page that we need to be reminded of this Christmas is God gave us the gift of a sign. He gave us the gift of a son and he gave us the gift of a savior. And, and I wanted to just walk you through that this morning before we go. Isaiah 7, 14, if you look there, the first part of that, just we'll break it down into three parts. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Now, that was God's first Christmas gift. Don't, I don't know about you, but I, I, I liked my wife, you know, I, I love giving her gifts. And I like telling her in a way that I'm going to get her a gift. And you should see her. And, and she doesn't do good with then waiting. You know, it's like, so I'll say, hey, I got well, what, okay, what'd you get me? And I go, well, you know, if I don't wait till Christmas. I mean, you know, then it'll just take all the fun out of it, you know? And she's like, 
okay. And then you can just see the wheels turning. And I'm like, you want to know, don't you? Yes. Yes, I, 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 I want to know. But it's that, you know, the sign in advance that, that builds the, the anticipation, you know. And so God gives us this sign. And it says, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And that word, you know, in the Hebrew, it's really translated, it's miracle. Is God was given us a miraculous sign. It was a marker. It was, you know, a token, you might say, a signal, uh, however you want to put it. But, but in the truest meaning, it means a miracle, that God was giving us a sign, a sign that would be a miracle. And again, <laughs> only like God can do. You know, every, every prophecy, you know, in the Bible is really a sign, isn't it? That's what makes Christianity different from every other religion, Judaism, Christianity, because every other world religion, believe it or not, is, has no fulfilled prophecies. Only the Bible. Only the Bible tells you in advance what God is going to do because nobody can stop. Because again, think about this. The devil would try to stop God from, from doing what God would declare that he would do to do what? To get people to not want to follow God. But this is how good... God is, this is how powerful God is, that God came in the form of a baby. Think about this. God himself took on the form of a baby and the devil couldn't even stop him, right? Oh, they tried, right? Kill all the babies, Herod said. Two years and under to make sure we get them, right? Doesn't work. And you think about those things and the gift that we have in Jesus and that gift that continues you know, to be given to each and every one of us, that God does exceedingly above all that we think or ask. I mean, there's literally hundreds, isn't there, prophecies concerning the birth of Jesus into this world. You know, in Matthew's Gospels, I was reading this this week, in, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, it says this. It says, th these words here, it says, so all this, all this, that, I mean, you think, wow, that is so awesome. I mean, you ever stop when you read that and go, oh, so all this, it's my favorite part. You know, we don't normally stop there, right? So all this was done, says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. All, what's, he, what's all this? What's he talking about? Everything that Isaiah is declaring, because that's what he's going on to quote. He's going to quote Isaiah, the fulfillment of this prophecy. He goes, everything that Isaiah said, because that's what he's thinking of, is Isaiah chapter 7 Verse 14, that what? That a virgin would be found with a child and she would bear a son and they would call him Emmanuel. Translated, Matthew would say, God what? With us. God with us. And I think if we're honest this morning, we can so easily forget that, that God is with us. I mean, you've talked to people, you probably thought that yourself during COVID this year. God, where are you? Where's God in the midst of this? And he's right where he's always been, right there beside you, right there with you in the fire. And not just with you, but he's in you. And there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. But man, we forget that. And that's one of the greatest blessings of Christmas. The Christmas miracle, you could say, is God is with you. And if there's anything that I would encourage you and myself to make sure that we share with people this Christmas is the hope that we have in Jesus. The realization of that miracle. 
Christ is with you. He's near. If only what? We would profess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. God would do what? You think about what he did on that cross. It was as if when his arms were stretched out, he grabbed the hand of the Father and he grabbed the hand of humanity and he bridges that gap in and of himself, making a way where you and I can come to God and experience the gift of Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. It's just, it just never gets old, does it? I mean, it's, if you just take the time to, to let it sink in and to appreciate it afresh. One of the things that's important that you understand about this, and that's why I wanted to take a few moments here this morning, when Isaiah chapter 7 was written, remember the king in Jerusalem at that time was King Ahaz, right? Israel's a divided kingdom at this point. You have the northern kingdom, which is known as Israel, and you have King Pekah, who's in the, who's in the north. And then if you look at a map, and it's still this way today, you have Assyria, which is way to the north, and ultimately Israel, the, the northern kingdom, is going to be carried away into Assyrian captivity. But between Assyria and Israel is another country called Syria. And so what you had, you have Israel in the north, being, in a sense, fearful of being taken captive by the Assyrians. And so Israel makes a covenant with Syria to take on the bigger enemy of Assyria. Does that make sense to everybody? And so in this, then, they reach out to King Ahaz in Jerusalem, in Judah, the southern kingdom, and they want him to make a pact with them to fight against the Assyrians. Well, King Ahaz, he kind of <laughs> does a little evaluation and he's going, we're still going to lose. So he gets this great idea. And he says, I'll send money to the Assyrians. I'll skip Syria and I'll go all the way to the top, right? Cut out the middleman. And I'll give them money and I'll tell them to go after both Israel and Syria. And then if that takes place, then guess what? Does Judah have any more problems? No, they're taken care of. See, we have a tendency to do that in our life, don't we? We look at problems and we try to figure out, you know, it's that old expression, God helps those who what? Help themselves, right? So we figure, oh, I'll just take care of it myself. And that's exactly what King Ahaz desires to do. But Isaiah the prophet shows up. And Isaiah begins to speak to him, and he's telling him, hey, basically, you know, you don't need to worry about you know, <laughs> Israel. They aren't going to exist. <laughs> they're they're going to be gone, and you'll never see them again. They'll never bug you again. And so he asks him, he, he tells him, he says, so ask God for a sign. Ask, ask God for a sign with regard to, it could be in heaven, on earth. Just ask him for a sign. And what does Ahaz do? And, and if you read this, and many people read this wrong, they'll read it, and they'll go, Oh, but he was, he was actually a man of faith because he said, I'm not going to test God. No, it wasn't that he wasn't going to test God. What, he, what that translated is saying is Ahaz wasn't going to what? Trust God. What he was going to do was see if he could, you know, hey, it's that old expression, two in the, <laughs> one in the hands worth two in the bush, right? 
You know, Scripture calls us to walk by faith and not by sight, right? But he's walking by sight, so he's going, I got to fix this. So he sends money. Isaiah, he kind of did what Larry did in one sense. So Isaiah, Isaiah, no, he goes like this. Isaiah, he's like right here, and, and uh, Isaiah just says, but you didn't ask God for a sign, but that's okay. And then he goes into Isaiah 7, 14. He says, but God's going to give you a sign. And then he just does what? He drops the mic and he leaves. <laughs> like Larry did. Yeah. See, it's just amazing God's timing. See how that fit right into the sermon today? Yeah, God didn't waste anything there. And yet, you know, you, you look at this and it, what does it demonstrate? It demonstrates to Isaiah. You know, it, it demonstrates to King Ahaz. It demonstrates to you and to I that God has a plan. And God has a promise. And God is faithful to both. And nobody's going to undermine the plans and the purposes of God. The key is to get on board with them, to be able to celebrate them. For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Love allows us to make a choice. So a virgin shall conceive a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. But that was just one. That was just one of hundreds of prophecies that are made with regard to this child being born into this world. I mean, it gets down to the city, the region where he'd be born. Again, what is, you know, Isaiah goes, goes on, Micah declares, you know, that he'll be born in where? In Bethlehem, you know, uh, Josiah prophesies that he'll come from the region of Galilee. I mean, there's all kinds of prophecies. I mean, it gets so specific. It's not just, you know, generalizations, you know, that Jesus would be born into this world. And like I said, the sign started, what, 700 years before he was born. Proof, again, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, 21 it says, now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. What did Ahaz ask him for? Nothing. What have you asked him for in the truest sense? It says that we might ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. Not just them that were alive, you know, when Jesus was born into this world. It says, all generations forever and ever. And then look at that. Go back to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. So it continues and it says, and behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. So again, God's second Christmas gift, you know, to us is what? That he gave his son. Again, God, the gifts of God, they just keep, keep on giving. Again, Matthew chapter 1, you know, and I love this. In the, in, when you think about the Christmas story, you know, Joseph is a little bewildered. Would you agree when he gets the news that, you know, Mary, who he's betrothed to, they're engaged and she comes up pregnant and he's trying to figure out, you know, I, I did a couple of devotionals this last week. It triggered this thought as I was, I was reading this was that, and I posted them online. You can, you can go onto our website and you can read them. But one was, you know, the fears that we have. And I hadn't really thought about this. You know, one of our greatest fears, you know, people, and I was writing first about death, you know, and, I, and all this because of COVID and, and the conversations I've had. But one of the greatest fears that we have is the fear of what other people think. 
How many, how many opportunities have you missed out on in this life because you were worried about what somebody else thought? Well, Joseph is, is dealing with that in his own life. We see that, you know, in chapter one there. And so he's trying to understand all this, you know. And, and again, I mean, at this point, nobody's been born into this world without a father, right? Only Jesus was born into this world without the assistance of, of male seed or, you know, sperm. And, and again, this is why it's a miracle. You know, Matthew chapter 1, I'll just read it for you in, in verses 18 through 25. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, they became, they, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take uh, to you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. What prophet? Isaiah again, going all the way back 700 years, which is translated God with us. It says, then Joseph being aroused from sleep did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Now, what's really interesting, you know, in this, you know, science tells us there's this uh, phenomenon and it's called uh, parthenogenesis. And it means that there's the possibility of a creature can be conceived asexually, meaning that without, without a seed, without a sperm, without a male donor, okay? This happens, we've, we've seen it in science. There's plant life, you know, there's small creatures, or I know there's a bee. Um, they've recently in years, I mean, I know a rabbit, um, you know, but there are, they're creatures, right? And then people try to use that and say, oh, you know, well, then that means, you know, that it happened. So, you know, uh, that this isn't really miraculous, but it's never happened with regard to a human being. And what's interesting, because you always have people that try to then set out to disprove God, right? So scientists have got together and then there were some here in the United States, they set out and they did studies and they determined that even if it could happen, the only thing that could have happened was Mary would have given birth to what? A daughter. Because without a male donor, you, that would take a miracle, right? So any species, you know, plant, animal, creature, whatever it has, whatever it is, it was always female. It, it had a female egg, but there was no sperm. And so what was conceived was always female. Just, I want to simplify that so we're not going to belabor the point and spend any time on that today. You can study that for yourself. But I love that because then this puts a big twist on it, right, with regard to you know, a virgin giving birth to a son, even in the scientific community. That's what I love about how God does that. You know, he reaches everybody wherever he can reach us. Isaiah 9, 6 says, for unto us a child is born. He declares what? Not a daughter. He says, unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So what is Isaiah declaring? There's going to be a child born 
miraculously, of a virgin. And he will be what? Mighty God. Have you had any conversations with anybody that said Jesus isn't God? The Mormons could tell you that. Jehovah's Witness will tell you that. You know, a few people that maybe attended here, you know, through the years could tell you that. And you go, but what did Isaiah declare? His name will be called what? Mighty God. There's no discrepancy. There's, there's, no, there's no question. Jesus is 100% human, obviously, because he came through the womb of Mary, but he's also divine. He's 100% God because he was conceived by what? By the Holy Spirit. Yeah. God's perfect sacrifice. Like I said, you can go back and read that in Genesis chapter 3.15. And then the final, and to me, it's really what today is all about. God's greatest gift we see there in Isaiah chapter 7 is the fact that our God is Emmanuel. He says, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. God gave us the gift of a Savior. Jesus Christ was born in this world to save us from our sin. I love that. Highlight this passage in your Bible. Think about it. Study it. Read it this, this year. Isaiah 7, 14 again. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign as a gift. He told us in advance. Jesus said, no longer do I call you slaves, but I call you friends. For a slave doesn't know what his master's doing, but I've done what? I've told you all things. It's not a secret. He's coming again. And he's told us, be ready. Stay ready. Don't let the world squeeze you in. Don't let the world make you believe a lie. Stay focused on him. It says, and behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Again, and it comes up every year. People go, well, how come nobody's calling him Emmanuel? His parents didn't call him, hey, Emmanuel. They called him Jesus. That's what they told him. You go, Emmanuel is a title, right? That's a title. It's not, it's not his name. It's what he does. He is with us. God with us. And it really is a gift that keeps on giving. And most of us that are in the sanctuary this morning, many of you that are watching online today, you already know the realization of this. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God who is faithful to you, Christmas of 2019, is the same God who's faithful to you, Christmas of 2020. He doesn't change. He's been with you every step of the way. You can look back from today, and there's never been a moment where he left you. Can you feel alone? Can I feel alone? Absolutely. The psalmist declared, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for thou art with me. Yeah. Emmanuel. This year, you know, by admissions for many has been the toughest year, the worst year of their life for many people. And that's why this message is so important, church. It's why we need to get this message out. You think about it. Jesus, God's perfect, perfect plan of redemption. Everything about him is perfect. 
you know, as one commentator would say, he said, as a man, Jesus is the perfect representative of us. As God, he is the perfect sacrifice for us. It's a one-stop shop. Maybe today, you know, you're looking and you're thinking, oh, where do I find satisfaction? Where do I find love? Where do I find joy? Where do I find peace? I got to go over here for this and this and go over here for that. And it's like, no, no, it's all in him. It's all found in him. This baby who was God, he went to the cross and he died and he rose again. That we could know him. That we could have the security and the surety that he is with us. And I put in my notes here, you know, the word with, it speaks of intention. Jesus came with the intention of what? Of saving us so that we could be with him. I'll close with this. Hopefully the worship team's not hiding back there because they'll come out, they'll come out late. They'll, they'll come out late like they did last week. Oh, here they are. I, that's why I was, see, that's why I was, was going to let them. That's why I was going to say it. Say if they were, they were listening. I was hoping you guys were at Starbucks so I could go, yeah, we'll wait and just sit down. <laughs> no. So, so Pastor Mike was going to make fun of me to cover the time. I, I heard you. Mike. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was teaching me how to cover the oh, time. I'm oh, make fun of Pastor, oh, Pastor Mike oh, for five minutes next time. Uh, I was I was only getting warmed up. But see, Larry and I, you know, we have this love-hate thing. Um and, and the good thing is, and he will, he'll he will take advantage of that five minutes. And because of, of my stupidity, I'll then take the rest of that whole sermon to make up for his five minutes. So that's what friends do. Amen. No, but I, I want to share this, this card with you. I, I, I've received it numerous times throughout the years, and, and so have many of you. And it really wraps up, you know, this whole message of, of what Christmas is to me, and it, it's why it's so important. I remember the first year I got it, I wrote it down, and I've never forgotten it. And it said this on the card. It said, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, then God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, then God would have sent us an economist. And if our greatest need had been pleasure, then God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. And so God sent us a savior. Don't lose sight of that this Christmas. Jesus was born in this world to save us, not just then, but now, and not just today, but one day when he comes again for us. It's a past, it's a present, and it's a future gift. Amen? Jesus really is the gift that keeps on giving. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? Father God, we thank you so much, Lord, for, again, the privilege it is for us to gather as your people in your name. Lord, we don't deserve it. As your word declares, it's not by works which any man can boast. Our salvation is the gift of God. And Lord, today, we just want to appreciate you afresh and thank you so much for this great love. As your word declares, no greater love has anyone than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being born into this world. Again, thank you for living a perfect, sinless life. 
And thank you for going to the cross in our place that we could know eternal life. May every heart, may every home enjoy the fact that you are our Emmanuel, God with us. To the glory of God, we pray these things. In the wonderful name of Jesus, and we all agreed saying amen. Amen. Amen.